welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. So on Tuesday of this past week, uh, I had breakfast with another pastor, another local pastor, and during my breakfast with him, I actually changed my message. I actually felt like God said, you need to change your message. And uh, some of you love that already. You're like, ooh, then it's good, right? You know, <laughs> might be, all right. But here's the thing. I love to plan things out. I love to plan out where the messages are going to be, and I try to get a, a framework for our team to know where we're going to be. Matter of fact, we're starting a new series looking at some of the names of God next week, looking at Jehovah, and we're gonna do Jehovah Jireh, and at all of our campuses, we're gonna sing, and online, we're gonna sing Jireh by Maverick City, so you can be ready. You do not wanna miss that, all right? Unless, unless another breakfast changes the message, all right? So we're like, I pray against that. I wanna hear Jireh. I got it, I got it. But here's what happened. During COVID, uh, this other pastor and I, we had an issue with each other. It was pertaining to the reopening of churches in the state of Minnesota. When should we open? Should we stay closed? Which thing? And, and so in this time, we had issue with each other. And, you know, we both were making statements to our church of why we were doing our decisions. And then his decision made me angry and the way he shared it. And so I sent him a text and my text had a little hot sauce on it. How many know what I'm talking about? And that hot sauce probably wasn't really what God wanted, but it was what Rob wanted. And so there was hot sauce on it. And then he fired one back, and I fired one back. And then we agreed we should not talk to each other. We just needed a cooling down period. No more text, no more talk. Well, that lasted months and months and months until breakfast the other day. And by the way, it is a bad idea to text somebody that you're angry with, all right? It's a bad idea. That's just a bad way to do it, okay? And, and COVID just offered us a, a terrible substitute where you couldn't get together, you couldn't meet at a restaurant. And so we, we chose text, but that is not a good idea. So I told Be- Becca, I said, I'm going to breakfast with this guy. And, and she goes like, are you good? Because how many know when you send a text with hot sauce on it, you got to read it to your spouse, right? And let her know this is what I'm sending. And she's like, you didn't send that. I was like, it's already sent. Yeah. <laughs> So she's like, you're good? I said, we will be after breakfast. We will, we will. And side note on that, how many know that guys, like we've just learned to like have fun, fight with other guys, forgive, have fun, fight with other guys. That's just the way we live. And we could do that all like three times a day. You know, like that's just the way we are. And uh, so we'll, we'll be good, we'll be good. Went to breakfast and uh, I said, I was sorry. He said he was sorry. I said, will you forgive me? He said, will you forgive me? We, I, we forgive each other. Um, man, it was heated. We shouldn't have done that. Um, then we started joking. I said, I think some people quit my church and went to your church. He said, I think some people quit my church and went to your church. I'm like, do you want them back? You, okay, you know, we we're like, we we're trading you like, you know, anyway, back, you know. Uh, and I said, we're good, we're good. And I said, hey, keep up the good work. Keep, I said, let's keep working towards healing in our world. Healing, like the church needs to be united, not divided. And, and we need to stand together. And we're better if I'm cheering you on and you're cheering me on and we're not sending hot sauce texts to each other. We, we, like, we're better. We're better than this. And uh, we just agreed, man, we are cheering each other on 
and we're for each other. And as he was saying that, I said, I'm just gonna change my message. I said, I just, I just feel there's hundreds, if not thousands of these breakfast meetings or conversations or coffee conversations or living room conversations that need to take place in our congregations. And I said, I'm, I'm changing my message and I'm gonna encourage my church to follow this lead and to pursue what the Bible talks about in Matthew 18. So we're gonna get there in just a moment to Matthew 18, but going to your brother when you have issue, when you feel that someone is offended, that they really, the Bible says, sinned against you, and, and you have this issue, and you're sending texts or saying things or doing things, and you're causing division between you and somebody else and within the body of Christ. So I, I changed the message, and today I'm gonna look at God's word, and we're gonna look at three different things. First one is this, it's not okay to have something with your brother or sister. It's not okay to have something between you. It's not okay from God's word. The second thing we're gonna look at today, though, is God gives us the example, and when there's something between you, God gives us the example. And the third one is Jesus gives us the formula for these conflicts. So we'll get to that in Matthew 18. But the first thing is, it's not okay to have something linger between you and your brother or sister. It's not. It's not okay to have that. It's very clear from the Bible, and we miss the importance that when there's issues between us, and I'm even thinking about this, what people are watching online, I know that there's people online and there probably, there's issues. I get it, I get it. There's people that, you know, uh, that I'm walking through the mall and they're like, hey, we're coming back and, you know, we've gotten over it and I'm, everywhere I go, it seems like people are trying to figure out what happened during the last year and figure this out. It's very clear from the Bible that we miss how important it is that we can't have these things linger there. In Matthew chapter five, verse 22, it says, but I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to just judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. The first part of that talks about the word Raka and it's really one of the hardest words to translate because it has tone, it has attitude, there's contempt with it. There's, they're saying like, you're worthless, you're beyond consideration. And he's like, if you're talking to your brother like that, you are out of order, that is wrong. And he says, if you call him like a fool, it doesn't really even mean like intelligence. He's saying like, you're speaking about their morals. You're talking about their moral character and you're saying this about that. And he said, you are wrong. You are not to do that as a follower of Jesus. And then in verse 23, it says, leave your gift. And, and I talked about this years ago when I was, got back from the, our global team to Israel. This was just driven home to me. The temple is in Jerusalem and people would travel for days to get to the temple to offer their gift. Now imagine this, you travel for days, you get to the temple, you purify yourself in the purifying baths that are there and you take a bath and you make sure that you're clean. You walk into the temple, you go past the court of the Gentiles, you go past the court of the women, you go to the court of the men and you're there with your animal and you're ready to have a sacrifice and then God says, you have issue with your neighbor. And he's like, you need to leave it right there. Uh, can you imagine, like, you're about to transfer. Like, I'm ready to say 
like, I want God to forgive me of my sins and I wanna be right with God. And God says, you can't get right with me until you're right with your neighbor. Now leave that right there. Somebody watch this lamb. I've gotta go back through the courts. I've gotta go back home. I've gotta find my neighbor. I've gotta reconcile. Then I've gotta do all the things, go all the way back. And you can imagine the people hearing Jesus saying this, they're like, it's that serious? And he's like, yes, it's that serious. I want you to be reconciled with one another. I want you to go to breakfast and say you're sorry. I want you to schedule the meeting and apologize. I want you to work these things out. It's that big. I have this picture in my mind that as soon as the service is done, people say, hey, we're not going to lunch. We're going to go reconcile. Hey, we're not going to the graduate open house. How many know it's graduate open house season, you know? That's like a Minnesota thing. Like, we're leaving service. We're going to get the uh, silver dollar or whatever. those ham sandwich. You know what I'm saying? And the potato salad. All right. I'm not going there. Hey, I'm not going to work on Monday until I figure this out. We're not going to let these things linger. And you've let things linger. I let things linger for too long. And COVID was a convenient excuse. The restaurants were closed was a convenient excuse. It was takeaway only was a convenient excuse. You know, it's a mask mandate. Convenient. Okay, let, let's get rid of all those things and realize it's time to leave the gift and go to those people and, and get these things solved. Get these things solved. Second thing, God gives us the example. In Ephesians chapter 432, um, Paul references this, and he's, it's challenging us. He's saying, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as in Christ God forgave you. And it's really saying someone has to make the move. Somebody has to go first. Somebody has to work up the courage to go and do this. And to be honest with you, I wish that it was me that scheduled the the breakfast, but it was actually the other pastor that scheduled the breakfast. And I was so glad that he's like, come on, we need to get together. We need to have breakfast. And even in my own mind, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. I would have done that. I was just so busy. Uh, Yeah, yeah, sure, right, okay. Drop your pride and make the move. Drop your pride and make the move. Drop the excuses and make the move. God moved first. That's what Paul said. Just as in God, God, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Like God made the move. Go ahead and make the move. You got to make the move. There's a famous one uh, about a, a music band that some guys had a falling out. Sammy Hager and Eddie Van Halen were both members of the Van Halen band. And uh, there was a feud in 1996 that Sammy Hagar uh, quit the band. And Eddie was like one of his best friends, quits the band. And, and he said he kind of tried through, you know, some friends to reconcile. And he didn't go anywhere. He tried a couple times. And it was George Lopez, who was a friend of both of them. He said, come on, guys, you got you to gotta get this out. And so he gave Sammy Eddie's number. And he said, call him, call him, reconcile. Come on, call him. And I'll just give the account because Sammy Hagar says this. He says, I call him, and he's going, what took you so long? And I'm going, well, I called Al, and I called this guy, and I called that guy. And he goes, well, you didn't call me. And I said, well, I'm calling you now. And he said, we just burst out laughing. And then they reconciled. They reconciled before Eddie died of cancer. And Sammy said, I don't know what I'd have done not reconciling with my friend before he died of cancer. I don't know what I've done, but it took somebody else to get into the mix. So we're gonna see in Matthew 18, sometimes somebody else needs to get into the mix so that we reconcile. But go first, go first, make the call, do it, go. You say, but this is bad, this is deep, this is way deeper. Come on, seriously, 
God forgives more sin in five seconds than you'll be required to forgive in a lifetime, okay? Follow his lead and go and work this out between your brothers and your sisters. So this is God's example. He went first and he sent Jesus. My breakfast, I did it. I tell you what, there's so many different things that people are, are, are mad about. We gotta get past this and we gotta bring healing. Now, the third thing, Matthew 18. I want to camp here and, and go for a little bit on this. You got to follow the formula that Jesus gives for conflicts in Matthew 18. And my friend Chris Harrell was here. He did our staff meeting several years ago. And he taught this to our staff. He said, you got to Matthew 18 if you're going to stay on staff and love each other. You're going to have to Matthew 18. You have to go. So I, I looked at his old notes and I just wanted to give him credit because there was so much good stuff in that teaching that he did that I want to share with you. But in Matthew 18, let me read this. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and as a tax collector. All right. So there's steps here, and you have to realize that, first of all, you're going to have conflict. We are going to have conflict. We're human. We're going to have conflict, and there have been extra forces working on us. Right now, I feel like the media wants us to fight. Social media definitely wants us to fight. Intersectionality wants us to fight. Uh, The political polarization wants us to fight. It's us versus them and everything. And there's four steps here. There's There's just these four steps that are right here for us to follow. And the first one is me to you. Just like the other pastor and I, we went to one another, me to you, you to the person. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say like, think about it, make a list, dwell on it. That's not part of the steps, but how many know we do that? I'm so glad he said, now the first step is vent to your friends. Tell them all what you're thinking. You know, he doesn't say that. I'm going to you again, not a letter, not a text, not an email, not a, 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 maybe if you want to set things up, hey, we need to talk. We need to have breakfast. We need to get together. We need to meet. Somehow, whatever means you use to communicate, use that, but that's not how you're going to communicate. We're going to go face to face. There's so much lost if you don't go face to face. I mean, I just think about like when, when Beck and I were dating, we were calling long distance. I was in Louisiana. She's in uh, Minnesota. And this is when you had to buy long distance calling cards. How many remember those days? Yeah, you, you, you had like, I got 60 minutes. I got 60, you get the tone when there's like one minute left. You're like, I love you, love you, love you, bye, 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 you know. Ah, now I got to buy another card. You know, some of you are so young, you have no clue. No clue. And, and, and there were times like even on the phone, like the tone, I was just like not being face to face, not being able to see what she was thinking, you know, like how she was acting. And it was like, you'd hang up and then you're like, the tone just wasn't right. Like, I'm not sure. Like, and then you'd call back, like, I just sensed the tone wasn't exactly, like, our tone was off. Like, are we okay? Are we good? You know? And I, I can't imagine dating today in text world, all right? I just can't imagine that. But face to face. And I have observed this. When people come face to face, something happens. When you see the other person, they become human. They become a brother or a sister. 
Something happens. Matter of fact, I've noticed this, that even if you can touch, like I've watched people like, hey, let's get together. And then we walk in, I'm like, hey. And they're like, walk right by. You go to give them the hug, and they're like, no hug. They're just like, sit down. We've we got issues. You know, how many know we're thinking like, we're probably just going straight to step two. That's probably what's happening. I mean, we can't even shake hands or hug or nothing. You know, we're in big trouble. But face to face. Face-to-face, you go to the person. Step two, there's a misleading word here. It says witnesses, all right? And really, step two is bring a seasoned Christian into the mix. Bring a mature Christian into the mix. It's not like start building your case and getting witnesses. Like, my first witness is your mother. Yes, she agrees with me. Take that, you know? I mean, you don't do that. That's not what it means. It means a facilitator, someone who has wisdom, someone who loves the two of you. Sometimes you're so angry that you can't even hear what the other person is saying. And the person, no, that's not what they said. You need somebody to clarify or say, hey, put your guard down. Stop acting so angry. Come on. It's somebody that's mature there. Again, it's not building the case against them. I once went to a reconciliation meeting with somebody that I had um, issue with as well. Somebody had issue, and uh, you know it was bothering me. It was bothering them, and 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 it was probably bothering me more than it was bothering them. And so I said, we need a seasoned person to come into the mix and and to help us because we just couldn't do it face to face. It didn't go well. It, it, it was disastrous, and it wasn't much better with a seasoned person in the mix. So we get to the meeting, and we're there at this meeting, the seasoned, mature believer there, and it's me and this other guy. And he says, I'm going to start this out with a statement. I will not speak to Rob Ketterling. I will only speak to you. You will be the only one authorized to ask me questions and to talk to me. He will not be. And I was like, are you kidding? And he sat there. And I looked at the person, and I said, is he kidding? He goes, are you kidding? I am not kidding. I was like, no, are we really doing this? We're not doing it. Like, and he, I was like, and, and literally, that's not the way it should be done, okay? I'm just letting you know, all right? And, and it didn't work. It didn't, you're like, surprise, yeah. <laughs> you got to find somebody that loves you both that's willing to say, stop that. Knock that off. Don't do that. Don't, no, no, no. You, you got a blind spot here. Come on, guys. We can work this out. This isn't out. Come on, get along. I'm just having flashbacks from my dad. You know, he'd say, you two go outside and I only want one of you to come back in. That is not appropriate, all right? I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, what? But it worked because he really was like, you're, it's your brother. You're, not, you're both coming back in. Go work it out, all right? That was old school, all right. Step three, and he says, take it to the church. Now, I don't believe this means the whole church, okay? It doesn't mean everybody. And the, I mean, first of all, the church wasn't even formed yet, okay? So the church wasn't even formed yet. 
I think he said, bring it to the fellowship of believers, like bring it to the community of God following people, like bring it to them, bring more. Like if, if a seasoned person can't help you, you need to, to bring more. Could you imagine the chaos that we'd have if it was like bring everything that we still didn't get resolved to church? We'd open church, we'd be like, okay, today before we open church, we're gonna talk Bob's mad at Carl over COVID masks. And we're going to resolve that first. Uh, after that, we're going to have political voting issues. And then we're going to have traffic violations. We hope to get to worship later today. You know, it's not what it is. It's not what it is. Why would God, why would God want us to bring more people into the mix? Because here's what I believe. I believe that God wants us to bring more gifts into the problem. And he's like, you know what? I want you to maybe bring your life group into this. You know why? Because there's somebody with a gift of wisdom. You know what? There's an intercessor in that group. How many know when you have issues with somebody and an intercessor starts praying and weeping before the Lord, you're just like, we got to solve this. Like there's the, the presence of God floods in. There might be somebody with a prophetic word. There might be somebody there with the gift of leadership. There might be brothers and sisters and moms and dads and grandmas. And in that community there, all of a sudden there's people there. They're like, I don't want to. Seriously, what are we fighting over anyhow? And the the multiplying of the gifts allows us to resolve the issue. Bringing more people to it is not seating a jury so that we can say, is it right or wrong? Do you agree with me or him? Do you agree with her or her? It's not that. It's so that the collective wisdom, the, the gifts that are there mix into that. You increase the love level in the room. You increase the grace level in the room. You increase the wisdom level in the room. You increase the urgency. Because how many know 10 other people want to get on with their day? They're like, let's go. Solve. You, you increase all of that when you bring it to these people. And we're just hoping to get to that moment where there's an admission, there's an apology, and there's reconciliation. We're not trying to leave there going, see? I won. I was right after all. You didn't win that way. It, you should be leaving where there's a hug. And a, man, how do we follow this up with the next thing? What's interesting is the, the very next day, we were at a meeting together as well. And I was like, hey, hug, embrace, good to see you. I mean, so we have breakfast. And then the very next day, that pastor and I are in on another meeting together that I didn't know he was going to be at. It was a total totally different scenario. Imagine, I mean, that the embracing and the joy of seeing there versus like, what's up? Hey, <laughs> see, why don't you sit on that end? I'll be on this end, you know. Oh, it's beautiful. We're, we're trying to get that reconciliation. You know why? Because reconciliation equals healing. It equals repair. It equals peace. It equals strength. It equals love. It equals together. It equals forward. It equals like shining bright for Jesus and letting the world say like people actually resolve their problems. They actually love one another. And that's a good thing to do. Now, the final step, it says treat like a Gentile or a tax collector. And it, and it sounds like cancel culture to me. That just sounds so tough. Like treat them like a tax collector, a Gentile, until I really studied this and looked at it. And by the way, how many of the world just goes to this step like, if I disagree with you, I treat you like, we're just, right now, we're like, I treat you like the enemy. It's not even like, 
I disagree with you. It's immediately we put them into enemy category and we cancel them and we push them away and the world goes to step four. But remember, for the believer, like step four's last. There's three other steps we're supposed to do before this and, and even this is not really lived out the way you might be thinking, like that's right, kick them out, tough love, showing up. You know, it is tough love, but it's tough love with an open door. My friend Chris, he teaches it this way. He says, the front door's open, but the screen door's closed. And you're out on the front porch and I'm in the living room. And he's like, we put some distance between us because you're not coming to your senses on this, but I'll tell you what, the front door is open. And if you wanna say something through the screen door and say, hey, I'm willing to reconcile, I'll open the screen door and let you in. I kind of like that mental picture of that. You know, you're out on the porch. But you look at how Jesus treated Gentiles and tax collectors, he still reached out to them. He still forgave them. I mean, two good disciples of his, Matthew and Zacchaeus, I mean, Matthew was one of the 12, and then Zacchaeus was just like a follower, a disciple. But I mean, tax collectors. And he forgives them and brings them into the family of God. I, I, I love what William Barclay said, and I'm just gonna read it to you. And I, I don't like to read uh, lengthy things, but this is a commentary thing. And he was just talking about how Jesus uh, treated tax collectors. And I just felt it was better to read it. It says, We have seen that when he speaks of tax gatherers and sinners, he always does so with sympathy and gentleness and an appreciation of their good qualities. It may be that what Jesus said was something like this. When you've done all this, when you've given the sinner every chance, and when he remains stubborn and obdurate, you may think that he is no better than a renegade tax collector or even a godless Gentile. Well, you may be right, but I have not found the tax gatherers and the Gentiles hopeless. My experience of them is that they too have a heart to be touched. And there are many of them, like Matthew and Zacchaeus, who have become my best friends. Even if the stubborn sinner is like a tax collector or a Gentile, you may still win him as I have done. This, in fact, is not an injunction to abandon a man. It is a challenge to win him with a love which can touch even the hardest heart. It is not a statement that some men are hopeless. It is, it is a statement that Jesus Christ has found no man hopeless and neither must we. I love that. No one is hopeless. No one is hopeless. Let's heal those grudges. Let's, let's clear up the offenses. Let's get past the issues that divide. Let's live so differently that the world sees it and goes, wait, 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 you just don't go to step four? No, 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 we have step one, two, three. We have a whole process. Matter of fact, you, you, you wouldn't believe how much reconciliation has happened in our church. You wouldn't believe how people that should have hated each other now forgive each other and love one another. And we live this out as we move forward and coming out of what I believe was one of the most divisive years I've ever lived. I just had to change this message and just say to you, who do you need to have breakfast with? Who do you need to have breakfast with? I, I, I just felt like I had to be transparent and just say, I've had to live this way. I've had to live this way and say, hey, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for things I said, for the text that I sent, for the way I acted and back and forth people have done that. And I just wanted to let you know that if, if I can do it, you can do it. I just had to give you the example. And I believe God's saying to you, Who do you need to reach out with? Who do you need to have breakfast with? Who do you need to heal? Who do you need to 
forgive? Who do you need to in our church? In our church. Because the pastors of other churches are kind of like my network of friends, if you will. And so that's why it went that way. But you're like, well, I'm not mad at anybody at that church. But what about in our church? What about in your family? What about your workplace? What about your neighborhood? What about the person who put that sign up or that sign up or did that or said that? It's time for us to live this out, Matthew 18, with the family that God has put us in and to love one another in that way. Man, we fought over things I never thought we'd fight over. And I just want us to say, God, help us to not fight anymore. Help us to forgive to reconcile and to heal up and show the world it can be done differently. We can live different. We can live different because of the way you loved us. So God, I'm just praying right now for our church. I pray there's, there's gotta be breakfast meetings that need to take place. And even right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you throw people's minds, like they just have the name right now of somebody, name of somebody. Lord, I just even feel like there's people in our church that were like good riddance to them. And there's just that attitude. And so God, I just pray that it wouldn't be good riddance to them. It'd be, man, what if we could save a a friendship? What if we could save a brother or sister? What if we could reconcile? And instead of them going to a different place and talking bad about us and us staying here and talking bad about them, what if we could reconcile and we could talk good about you, Jesus? And we talk good about the way you, you, you enlarged our family and kept our family intact and you helped us forgive people that offended us and you helped us to be able to live it out. We could talk about the grace that we've been given. So Holy Spirit, I just pray for names to come on people's minds. And then they'd follow that. They'd leave their gift. They'd leave their gift. Nothing's more important this week. I pray they leave their gift and make every effort there to reconcile, every effort to say, this is what was between us. We need to fix this. We need to solve this. I'm sorry for my part. And I pray for that. I pray for that. Now, God, I just close out this service by praying blessing upon that church. I didn't say their name on purpose, because that's not important. But we just pray for every church that preaches the name of Jesus. Every church that preaches the name of Jesus, we just pray for everyone. We pray blessing upon them. We pray favor on them. We pray increase on them. We pray that we would realize we are not rivals. We are in this together. And I just pray for blessings to rest on all the other churches around us that preach the name of Jesus. Thank you for them. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. As we go from here, God, help us to leave our gift and make the move towards those people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.